Today's podcast is brought to you by Howie's new book, Paperboy. To order today, go to HowieCarshow.com and click on store. Live from the Aviva Trattoria studio, it's the Grace Curley Show. You can read Grace's work in the Boston Herald and The Spectator. The Grinch did not steal Christmas. Here's the millennial with the mic. They want you to say Grace. Grace Curley. Welcome back, everyone, to the Grace Curley Show. Wow, we've covered a lot of ground here today. But uh, I mentioned a story. There's a few stories that I mentioned that I want to get into more in this next hour. And of course, the lines are open for you. It's 844-500-4242. One thing I teased was some good news about Harvard. Now, I should be clear here. Like the Biden administration, I always like to be perfectly clear. This is good news about Harvard. This is not good news for Harvard. Harvard, of course, along with so many other elite colleges and universities, has been under fire for the rampant anti-Semitism that is just running wild on these campuses. And the story here is from Red State. They picked it up. And it talks about how Harvard University, this is from Bob Hogue, is finding out the hard way that actions and inactions have consequences as early admissions applications plummeted 17% this autumn in the wake of the anti-Semitism controversy roiling the Ivy League campus, which was brought to a head when Claudine Gay, the president of Harvard, refused to call uh refused to condemn people calling for the genocide of Jews. And you know what was interesting was this back and forth between Representative Elise Stefanik and these presidents. It was MIT, UPenn, and Harvard, and uh, Liz McGill from UPenn has resigned. She has tenure, but still worth noting that she's no longer there as uh, president. This back and forth was dubbed by some people in conservative circles as the Bud Light moment. And based off this number plummeting 17% in early admissions applications, which are very popular, especially now with kids. Because if you want to go to Harvard, you have a, I I think, from what I remember, and Emma, you were in school, I was in school a lot longer ago than you were, so you might remember this. But when you apply early, you increase your chances, but you also then have to kind of commit to the school, right? Depending on if you do early decision versus early whatever. But I'm sure there's a lot of kids who in the past have had Harvard as their number one who have applied early. And for that to plummet 17%, that says to me that the reputation of Harvard has also plummeted. And that's something that Bill Ackman pointed out, this this billionaire who has been a very, very critical of Harvard, he said that Claudine De- Gay has done more damage to Harvard's reputation than anyone in its history. And if you know some of the people who have gone to Harvard, that is that is kind of impressive. That is record-breaking to say that she's done more damage. But that's what Bill Ackman said. And based off this number I'm seeing, I would agree. But I was reading a piece on Friday... Um, and it was from like Harvard Magazine or, you know, one of those publications. They have so many. And it was talking about how wonderful Claudine Gay is and how she's a scholar. Let's not forget, it's not just the congressional hearing that's gotten Claudine Gay into a little bit of trouble. It's also the plagiarism accusations 
that don't bode well for Miss Gay. And so now they're trying to like change up the PR strategy. They're trying to run cover for her and trying to sugarcoat this, but it doesn't look good for Harvard. But that's good news for us. 17% plummet in early admissions applications for Harvard University. Elections have consequences. Actions have consequences. And uh, it's nice when Democrats have to understand that, have to see it in action. Another big story today that I had mentioned, which I want to talk about, involves James Biden, Joe Biden's brother, not to be confused with Frank Biden. It's easy to mix all these people up because they look and sound exactly alike. If you told me that these three guys, James, Frank and Joey were triplets, I would believe you. That's how that is how similar they look. This is from Newsmax. It says FBI bribery probe tapes recorded James Biden in 2008. The House Oversight Investigation, which we've now been told by all media outlets, by all Democrats, they have no evidence. They have no evidence of any wrongdoing on the part of Joe Biden or Hunter Biden. The House Oversight Investigation into President Joe Biden and his family's influence peddling schemes digs all the way back to ties to the late 90s big tobacco settlement, including James Biden's deal working caught on FBI tapes in an unrelated 2008 bribery scheme. James Biden's dealmaking getting picked up on FBI tapes in 2008, as the Washington Post reported on Sunday, are resurfacing amid the House Oversight Investigation and the official impeachment inquiry. Mississippi trial attorney, and I'm just going to read directly from this because I'm not super familiar with the work of, if you want to call it that, of James Biden. So it's better if I just stick to the script here because they all have such long histories and all different sorts of businesses. You know, they're, they're, it's not just Hunter who's a renaissance man. He learned from his father, from his uncles, I'm sure from Grandpa Biden too. Ambrose Finnegan, all these people wear so many different hats. Mississippi trial attorney Richard Scruggs admitted to paying James and Sarah Biden's consulting firm, Newsmax uses quotes here, $100,000 to help grease the wheels for the Senate to pass a 1997 big tobacco law that would ultimately fail. James Biden was key because he was the brother of then Senate Judiciary Ranking Member Joe Biden. Then-Senator Joe Biden began as one of the bill's most vocal opponents before he flipped to be one of its staunchest defenders. Weird. It never did pass, but still weird that Joe had such a change of heart. I probably wouldn't have hired him if he wasn't the senator's brother, Scruggs told the Post. Jim was never untoward about his influence. He didn't brag about it or talk about it. He didn't have to. He was the man's brother. Scruggs did not need the law to pass to enrich himself. The $248 billion big tobacco settlement in 1998 would ultimately net Scruggs and his firm between $300 to $400 million. Scruggs told The Post he was unaware if James Biden spoke to then-Senator Joe Biden, but, quote, I hope he did. That $100,000 payment is a piece of the House oversight investigation into the Biden family's influence peddling schemes. The White House declined to comment to the Post on Joe Biden's actions on the big tobacco legislation. They're probably like, we we are trying to get through the corruption of the last 10 years. We're so busy lying about the corruption that Joe has done over the last 10 years. We can't go back to 1997. 
we, we have so much on our plates right now. We're trying to handle the last five years, the last five months of Joe Biden's mistakes. You think we can go back to 1997? It says Jim Biden's consulting work has never involved speaking with or providing access to his brother for this or any other client. That was the lawyer for James and Sarah. The 2008 FBI investigation into a Scruggs bribery of a judge circled around James Biden's dealmaking, but it never charged James or Sarah Biden. Scruggs and James Biden would be would be associates did do prison time. More than 15 years ago, so this is their lawyer, more than 15 years ago, Jim and Sarah Biden had serious discussions about starting a firm that would provide legal and consulting services. That venture never got off the ground. There's so many ventures in the Biden family. I got to start getting into ventures. Even if they don't get off the ground, they end up being so lucrative. Do you notice that? It doesn't matter if they succeed or if they fail. They always seem to be making money somehow. Jim and Sarah were not aware of or involved in any unethical or illegal behavior. Sure, sure. Scruggs served prison time after the FBI bust, but he is not breaking from support for the Bidens. He goes on to talk about how much empathy he has um, for Jim and Hunter and all these people. I want to talk about this, though, because the more I read about the Biden family, and like I said, it's not Joe and Hunter. This goes, we need one of those. If you've ever read any of Howie's mob books, he sometimes will have these like family tree looking things that explain how people are connected. The Biden family tree of corruption has so many tentacles. This is like an octopus of corruption. Okay. And so what what we need to do here is just take it piece by piece. But the reason I bring that up is because... You would think if you're Joe Biden, okay, and your whole family has just enriched themselves through your name, through your brand, whatever that is, um, through your different powerful positions, that maybe you would pass on at this point in your life being the president. Because honest to God, I really do believe that if he didn't run, none of this would be a problem for him. And so now you're reading all these stories. So we, we read to you earlier that Joe's upset about his poll numbers and he's disappointed. And then last week I was reading about how Joe's upset when people bring up Hunter and, uh, and Joe's always upset. That's that's the theme here. But the stories about him being upset about Hunter, it's that he feels a tremendous amount of guilt about this because he doesn't think it would be being brought up if it weren't for him being in the limelight. And he's not wrong. Like, they would have gotten away with all of this. But for some reason, maybe he thought, oh, if I run for president, then it's really going to go away forever. But instead, it's just rehashed all of this corruption. We're talking 1997. 1997. And it goes back further than that. And it involves his brothers and his sister-in-laws and, and his son's widow and, and his nieces and nephews and his grandkids. It involves so many people. And like, if he had just been happy sailing off into the sunset, having a bowl of ice cream by the pool, then they probably would have been okay. 844-500-4242. When we get back, 
I've got a lot more sound that I want to get to. We'll take your calls. There's so much to discuss in this last hour. Um, but I want to tell you all right now about the Nasa Beach Inn because this is such a lovely spot on Cape Cod. I'm a huge fan of Cape Cod. I go to Cape Cod in the summertime. I'm lucky enough to be able to visit some family in Cape Cod. I got married on Cape Cod in Harwich, which is a beautiful spa, and it's lovely in the off season. And that's when I really fell in love with the Cape in the off season because I got married in November. And so you know, it's close to the wintertime and it was just so lovely. It's like cozy and quiet and you can get into restaurants and you can have a nice time. And that's why I want to tell all my listeners, I'm going to fill you in on a little secret. And that secret is the Nasa Beach Inn. Because most places down the Cape, they're going to cost you. They're going to hurt your wallet, especially with inflation and everything else going on. With the Nasa Beach Inn, you're getting such an incredible deal. It's unheard of to get these prices on Cape Cod. So the Nasa Beach Inn, for under $200 this winter, you can stay there. You can enjoy. You're right on the ocean. You know, Jared has mentioned before that he he had the best room at the Nasa Beach Inn. And it's funny because Dave Henchy, who runs the Nasa Beach Inn, said it's just not possible because every room is the best room because every room looks at the ocean, has a fireplace. You can't beat this. So right now you can stay at the Nasa Beach Inn for under $200. They've got fire pits. They've got fireplaces. They've got the ocean. They've got just a cozy atmosphere. So many places to visit nearby. And they've got the best price possible. It's a great place to stay. To reserve your ocean view room, go to nasabeachin.com. Again, very tranquil. I recommend it for right now in between this period of, you know, Christmas and New Year's. I think people get very stressed out. It's nice to treat yourself. This is a great Christmas gift for a spouse. You can tell them you heard about it on the Grace Curley show. So go to NossetBeachInn.com. Check out those rates. They just opened up a bunch of reservations. That's NossetBeachInn.com. We will be right back with your calls and with so much more. This is the Grace Curley show. The Grace Curley Show will be right back. This is The Grace Curley Show. Welcome back, everyone, to The Grace Curley Show. More bad news for Joe Biden. I just read a story, and I'm printing it off now, so I'll have it for you when we come back. You know, it's it's one thing to say, oh, Joe Biden's unpopular. Joe Biden's uh, approval rating has dropped to a new low. That's all, you know, par for the course at this point. But when you read that Joe Biden's been topped, he's been beaten in his approval ratings by Kamala Harris. That's got to be like a different level of pain for him. The whole reason she's there is because she's the only thing that makes people go, well, he's not that bad. She's the only person who could possibly make you think, well, maybe having Joe there is our best possibility right now. 
And the idea that she's beating him as far as approval ratings go is really something to behold. That is not good news for Joe Biden. And plus, I'm reading a lot of polls now that a lot of voters, not just Republicans, a lot of voters are saying that what's happening at the border is a major problem. I read one today and um, it was a Fox News poll. It talked about how voters think this is a major problem think it needs to be you know worked on and it wasn't breaking people uh, apart based off republicans and democrats because that's what often happens with these with these immigration polls it's like oh republicans 60 percent of republicans see it as a problem and 20 percent of democrats see it as a problem but this number made me think that everyone is starting to see this as a problem because it affects everyone you know it's not just a, a border town in texas anymore that has to deal with this. It's people in New York City. It's people in Chicago where they where they wanted to build that giant tent city, which I think they put a pause on for the time being. But a lot of people are starting to understand that the ramifications of having an open border might actually affect them as well, even if they do have the right kind of politics, even if they do have the hate has no home here sign. This is not the way a country should be run. And the sooner people figure that out, the better. Today's poll question is brought to you by the NASA Beach Inn. Like I said, it's the perfect place to stay this time of year. And you can stay there for under $200 this winter. So to reserve your pet-friendly ocean view room, go to NASABeachInn.com. That's NASABeachInn.com. Our poll question is doing very well today, Emma. What is our poll question and what are the results thus far? Today's poll question is who will bear the brunt of the Senate staffer sex tape scandal? Democrats, Republicans, Aiden Mesa Zerovsky, Senator Ben Cardin, or Donald Trump? I'm going to say conservatives. And I should add this in. I think the conservative media is getting a lot of blame for this because um, the Daily Caller was the first outlet to publish this. And obviously, conservative outlets all over the country then started running with it. And, you know, NBC and other outlets are trying to frame it like, oh, the conservative media alleges. Um, And maybe this will be something that also has all the earmarks of Russian disinformation. Maybe this is manipulated evidence, um, but I don't think it looks good for the senator. I don't think it looks good for his congressional staffer, obviously. I don't think it looks good for anyone in the D.C. swamp. But I think Republicans will bear the brunt of the blame for this sex tape, which they have nothing to do with. That's my answer. Republicans is in second place with 24 percent. Donald Trump still leading the way with 43 percent. And Aiden Mesa Zorowski is in third with 16 percent. But tell me how they blame Trump for it. Do you know what I mean? Like, how is this? I've heard a lot. I've heard a lot of crazy things. I've heard Trump blame for, you know, uh, storms. He's blamed for the weather all the time. He's blamed for all sorts of things that go wrong. But how can he be blamed for these two men deciding to make a sex tape at the Hart office building? I just don't that one to me, that's going to that's going to be like pretzel bending logic, in my opinion. 844-500-4242. When we come back, I want to talk about these protesters who are now 
they've decided, you know what, we've tried to ruin the Christmas tree lightings. We've tried to start, you know, huge traffic jams. But now we need to really, we need to really put our money where our mouth is. We need to ruin children's pictures with Santa Claus. We'll talk about that when we come back. Don't go anywhere. Live from the Aviva Trattoria studio. We were just having a discussion in the green room. Because I saw this headline today about how Gen Zers, Generation Z, are having menu anxiety. And I feel bad for Emma because, Emma, it's you and my sister who have to take on every headline I see about Gen Z, I throw it at you as if it's your fault. And I said, Emma, as you hear about this, how stupid is this menu anxiety? Like you get anxiety over ordering. And I thought, Emma, you were going to say, I know it's ridiculous. I don't, I don't agree with this. And instead, you actually, you understood where your fellow Gen Zers were coming from. And this has now disturbed the peace in the office where now Taylor's getting upset. I do feel like I carry my generation on my back. And so I was speaking in terms mostly of fast, casual, Panera, Chipotle, any place where you can have the option to order on a screen as opposed to looking someone in the eye and speaking to them. And I always choose the screen. You do. Why is that? Because I'm the opposite. And and I could use the screen. I'm not, you know, a bo- no offense to the boomers because they could use the screen too. But it's not like, oh, you know, this thing's too complicated. Again, that's not how I'm describing boomers, so don't get mad. Um, but I could use the screen, but sometimes it just feels like it takes longer. Like I'd prefer just to go up to a person and say, hey, can I get... Because actually at the McDonald's that I go to down the street, they have a screen. And I think they prefer people use the screen, but there's a few reasons I don't use it. One is because, again, I think it's faster just to go up to the person in order. And two, because everyone's touching the same screen. It kind of grosses me out a little bit. Everybody's greasy fingers are tapping on the same screen. It doesn't seem very cleanly to me. You're just building your immune system. I, I guess. And then I'm about to eat some McDonald's. It's just <laughs> not the way you want to do it. I think if you have a complicated order, you want it in writing as opposed to you might they might miss something that you say is that really the reason you do it yes really it's because you don't want them to mess it up i always want extra honey mustard fewer is it that you feel but is it that you think they're gonna mess that up or do you feel awkward making these extra demands and it's easier for you to make it if you're just typing it in as opposed to having to show someone that you're very high maintenance they're definitely judging you i would certainly judge someone if they had a complicated order okay that's interesting Now, that's interesting. So then this conversation, for whatever reason, got Taylor very upset. And Taylor starts complaining about the general order of things. And it starts going on a rant that I don't want to say had nothing to do with what we were talking about. But I didn't really get where he was going with it. Oh, oh, snap. He's coming in the studio. Oh, no, we're scared now. Taylor is upset. He's right back from vacation. And you know what? You would never know based off his attitude. Taylor... What's going on? What upsets you about menu anxiety, Gen Z's? What is it? This is terrible. All right. So menu anxiety should not be the thing. Just be prepared to talk to people. It's not that hard. 
What I have a problem with is, I mean, you're going to a restaurant. You're, you got to interact with other people around you. It's, it's not a difficult concept. Uh-oh. When you're going into a sit-down restaurant, I have this problem with members of my own family. Cut the chit-chat. There's time enough for that after you order. You got to be ready. There is a natural flow of a restaurant. They seat you. You look first for if you're going to order any beverages because that's what they'll be asking first and appetizers okay if okay. they're if your waitress or waiter is efficient they'll do beverages and appetizers at the same time okay. and if you're efficient you can be prepared for that waitress goes away you take up your food menu you look that over okay then you all decide on what you're going to have and you keep in your head any modifications you might want to make to that meal then when you are done do not hold the menu in your hand and just kind of wave it around as as this little piece of of uh, this little instrumentation that you're using to point put your menu down that signifies to you were a waitress you know all this that signifies to your waiter or waitress your wait staff that you are ready to order then they come and take your order you may pick up your menu again to reference it in case you have forgotten the details of your order when that is completed then you can begin your conversation okay that's when you do the chit chat all the friendly ha-has and ho-hos and everything then you're okay i just want to point out you seem like you would be a delight to go out to dinner with if you are on your best uh, behavior as far as restaurant decorum, I am fantastic you, you company. Won't, you won't yell at your company if they're... I, I'm there. I'm the enforcer. If you're not doing what I need you to do in order to make this all go smoothly, I'll let you know. Taylor, but as put, a... Put your, men, put your menu down if you're ready to... All right? They're coming. As a menu extremist, do you look <laughs> up the digital version before no! you go... No, give me the paper. I am old school, millennial. Give me the... So it's crunch I'm, I'm, time. It's I'm the, boomer. Walk in the door, wait, waiter, waitress comes. You have that small period of time. I have a question. Can I ask a question? Wait, the, there's, first of all, you cannot be in crunch time. There's no hurriedness if you're going to a sit-down restaurant to eat. It's, it's an experience. Well, but okay. it doesn't seem like going with you. You're yelling at everybody. Because go, 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 process. go. There's a process to it. Doesn't feel like an experience. An enjoyment. Yes. All right. So this is like a drill so, sergeant. Some people, people ask me, Taylor, why do you listen to vinyl records when you can just listen to a digital uh, song? One, it's that's it's the same comparison as saying, why would you uh, sit down at a five star Michelin restaurant instead of just going to McDonald's? It's faster. It's cheaper. It's easier. Yeah, but there's an experience to it. I clean my records. There's an enjoyment. You get a quality out of it, blah, blah, blah. You go down to a sit-down restaurant, and there is a process to it. There's an atmosphere to soak in. There is company to enjoy. There is food to enjoy. There is stuff to try. There's recommendations to consider. There are specials to observe. That was going to be my question. Because I can just tell you right now, if we went out to dinner together, you would probably put a fist through the wall that's how much i don't do everything you're saying i chit chat the waiter comes over i say i just need one more minute they come over again i say i just need one more minute. you are the worst yeah I hate i'm you the already. worst i'm the serpent who yeah. guards the gates <laughs> of hell but my question for you is oh wait actually one other thing you know what my mom did once which was hysterical a waiter came over and she said i have a question on two dishes 
I'm, I don't plan on ordering either of them. Okay. And I thought, wow, we are really... Fair. What was the... Do you remember the questions? She was just asking about them to get a general sense. Okay. And I said, why do we need to ask about dishes you're not planning on ordering? And she said, well, when I come back next time, I Correct. might. No, that's fair. That's like when you sample eight different ice creams and then get Those vanilla. <laughs> Wait, I have, a, I have a question though. Yeah. Do you mind if when the waiter comes over, I say, hey, I'm between two dishes. What do you recommend? No, I don't mind that at all. Okay, I'm not going to get no. my head torn off. No. Okay. Okay. So then the food comes. Anything else we need to? If keep you in just mind? sit there and go, I don't know, and you put your head in your hands, I don't know what I'm going to get. That's yeah. Why? Why? Why did we come out? Okay. Now, now I got another one. Now I got another one. What about you're ordering? Mm-hmm. Okay, we're at dinner together. You order, and then I say, Oh, I was going to get that, so I'll get something else. Why? What? What does that mean? Like, maybe we'll do a little sharing, so I don't want to get... Does it bother you if everybody gets the same meal or if people don't get the same meal? Like, you know what I'm saying? You order a cheeseburger, if, I go, oh, I was going to get a cheeseburger. Instead, I'll get a salad, and maybe we'll do a little swappy. A salad? Why did we go to, out to eat if you're getting a salad? You know what I'm saying, though. A different, if, yeah. if it's agreed upon between both parties that there's a consensual transaction oh, uh, <laughs> involving food... Is there some sort of... Do we have to sign some sort of paperwork? No, it's a verbal agreement between okay. the two parties fine i don't uh, sure we need to talk about non-consensual fry taking from someone else's plate see here okay i'm on board with taking people's fries because let's face it nobody should be eating fries they're not like they're delicious but they're a treat so if someone's taking a couple off your plate it's not gonna hurt you right and i think (laughs) no you have a point grace and it takes away from the person's guilt of which i've bared a brunt of throughout my life of finishing the entire plate of fries you can say, well, I didn't have all of them. Oh, but Grace took three. You know what, though? I will add this in. Something I do that drives my husband crazy is we'll go to Chick-fil-A, and I will say, I'll get a chicken sandwich. I just like the regular chicken sandwich. Mm. He gets, like, the spicy deluxe. All yeah, I do things. the spicy deluxe. And I always, I don't get fries because, like I said, afterwards I feel guilty, and I kind of make you feel sluggish. He does get fries. I proceed which I think is my right as as a wife. I proceed to take a few of the fries, my percentage, 10% for the big guy. So I'm going to take a couple of fries. This drives him absolutely insane. He's like, you should be ordering your own fries. I agree with him. However, <laughs> Will, you should expect this by now. Yes, yeah, yes. This That's built in. Yeah, no, I agree. This is fry virtue signaling. You have the right to keep and bear fries. Okay, okay. So this is, this is such a beautiful thing about this country. We can all disagree. Fries at Chick-fil-A, though... So good. There's never enough. There's never enough. Well, that's because you don't order them, but my wife <laughs> yeah, there's and I, actually never my, enough. My wife and I, we each get our own orders of fries. There's, there's never enough. When you were a kid and you went out to a restaurant, did you order water or did you get soda? Uh, usually soda, like a Sprite. It wasn't anything like a. Coca-Cola. Did you have a limit though, like one, one and done? Pretty much. Yeah. yeah. I was always amazed when you go out to dinner with somebody or like if your parents would take somebody out to dinner, a friend, and they would just go crazy with the menu, like getting whatever or getting like a a large whatever, Mm. asking for dessert. I'm like, wow, bold. One of the nice things about being an adult is going into a breakfast place and saying, just give me the biggest glass of orange juice. It's not like this little tiny thing. I just want a big heaping glass of orange juice. Well, on that note. I'll pay for it, damn it, because I earned it. On that note, I think we've covered covered everything does anyone have anything to add 
Uh, no, just uh, as long as uh, you understand the rules before we go out to dine. Oh, actually, you know what? I have one more question for you. No. Not about restaurants. This mm-hmm. is this is separate. So there's a story today about, I don't want to talk about the Senate sex tape. I'm sure you have plenty of thoughts on that. But I wanted to ask you about this. There was a story about how these anti-Israel activists are now going to malls. They went to a mall in Ottawa um, to disrupt kids who are getting their pictures taken with Santa. And do we have sound of this, Emma? Let's play the sound. These are the protesters. What are they saying? Asa? It's pronounced USA. What? Okay. Now, my question for you, Taylor, is what would your reaction be? You bring, I know you have two small kids. You bring them to get their, their Christmas card taken with Santa. You see these protesters. I'm always shocked, and I'm not advocating for violence ever, 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 ever. I'm not, con- I'm not condoning any violence. Can I but, advocate for violence? But I am always surprised that more fights don't break out because you have parents there who are exhausted. They're at the mall. No one wants to be at the mall and they're getting their kids pictures taken with Santa. Their kids are probably going to start crying. They had to get their kids in these fancy outfits. They have to pay out the nose for these pictures. And then these jerks, that's the only way I can describe them. Complete and utter jerks are there screaming at their small children. I'm just shocked that more people don't lose their tempers. I think I would. I, I think I'd start swinging. You think so? I think so. I've had enough. I've had. I've had. If you shut down the the highway and you're in front of me, and I'm I'm at the front of the line. I'm I'm dragging you off. I've had enough of these people disrupting my life, disrupting your life. It's time to end it. And sh- they do this in Europe. And they we, we were talking about this earlier in the back. They do this in Europe, and they just drag them off the street by yeah. their hair. It's time we start doing that. Why do you think it is in Europe that they don't? You can tell the drivers don't think about it as much. Know. They just get out. I don't have a good out. answer to that because I don't look up to Europe for anything. Yeah, but they do seem more aggressive in the way they handle yeah, it. They, they have a very get the F out of my way attitude, and yeah. I like that, and we should adopt that more. Stop disrupting my life. Take your cause elsewhere. I don't, I don't understand the connect between there are people suffering in another part of the world, so your day is going to be ruined. Why? Or your kid's day is going to be ruined. Yeah. It's and our, we've taken the kids for Santa pictures, and it is a nightmare <laughs> trying to get them happy, to look happy for one split second so that we have a nice photograph to take home and send out to people. So for that to be ruined, yeah, you're, you're going to get it. Okay. Taylor Cormier, not holding back today, and we really appreciate it, sir. Is it time for another vacation? <laughs> you. This is what you get after a long, peaceful week off. This is Taylor. Uh, thank you very much, sir. Thank you, Emma. When we come back, we're going to talk to Howie Carr about so many things. I want to get his take on the latest sex tape scandal coming out of the Senate and uh, other topics that you know he's going to have plenty to say about. So don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. You're listening to The Grace Curley Show. This is The Grace Curley Show. Welcome back, everyone, to The Grace Curley Show. 
Joining us now is Howard Lawrence Carr. Howie, thank you so much for coming on the show. And my first question for you, it's something we've discussed before. I always say to Howie, it amazes me how the media ignores things that would be good for their ratings. Even if even if it's, you know, it might hurt the Democrat Party. There are some stories that I just feel, especially if you're having layoffs, if nobody's watching your shows, I just feel like you would run with. And Howie, back in the day, I think these networks would run with a, a sex tape coming out of the Senate. But today, they're not doing that. Yeah, I, I could, you know, I'm pretty old, as you know, Grace. I, I remember when uh, LBJ's top aide, Walter Jenkins, got arrested in the men's room of the YMCA in Washington, D.C. And it was a pretty big story in you know, the United States. And I know that's the difference between a president and a U.S. senator. But still, I mean, it's a sex scandal. Sex scandals sell papers. They put eyeballs in on front in front of the TV set. Well, Howie, I've always asked you about um, the Monica Lewinsky scandal, the Bill Clinton scandal in the 90s and how, you know, what that was like for you on radio. And you were saying how every day there was just more information coming out and ratings were really high and people were tuning in. And I have to imagine that your competition, that even, you know, more liberal journalists were covering this and couldn't get enough of it, like you said, because people are interested in it. Well, they were at least they were defending him, saying, you know, this is just sex and you can't say anything and nobody goes to prison for lying in a, under oath in a civil deposition, none of which was true. It was it, it was a uh, it was a major, major story. But I, but I remember coming in uh, doing the, the four hours on that Monday after the story broke on a Sunday and the, they, they had these uh, crazy women af- that came on after me. They still had a live show on RKO after my show. <laughs> and they and they came and they say. I can't believe you spent four hours talking about a BJ. And and these were supposed to be smart, educated, affluent women. They didn't get it. Yeah, it's a little bit more than just that. It, it was a... <laughs> it's called a high crime and a misdemeanor is what it's called. Perjury, lying under oath. It's a, it's a big deal, unless you're a Democrat, apparently. Exactly. Howie, one other thing I wanted to ask you about, I know you've seen this story. You know, we hear a lot from these news outlets from the Washington Post about how great Joe Biden's economy is. And yet, at the Washington Post, something interesting is happening. The journalists are striking, and more people are joining on. How can that be, Howie? If, if everything's so hunky-dory, why are journalists striking at the Washington Post? Yeah, I was so glad to see the Daily Mail picked that up because I've been talking about it, uh, you know, for a couple of weeks. Just just mentioning that they're 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 laying off ten percent of the staff of the Washington Post. The paper's losing a hundred million dollars a year. They they actually walk out because they're only getting a two point five percent raise, which isn't obviously going to keep them uh, abreast of, with the uh, rate of inflation, let alone ahead of it. And uh, and yet they're still writing these uh, puff pieces every day. The economy is so great. How come Americans don't understand? (laughs) Apparently, they don't understand it either, except for when they sit down at their laptops. We all have lessons to learn in this new economy, in the Biden boom. Howie Carr is coming up next. Don't miss him.